and salutations out there, sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Yes, it's time for another glorious edition of Modern Day Gladiators. Your humble host, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting, Michael Shibley, with you here. It's good to be back. It's been another just fantastic week of sports. Of course, we're leading off with some Modern Day Gladiators in the boxing ring. We've got other modern-day gladiators, and AEW Revolution is coming up this weekend, so a big pay-per-view there. We've also got, of course, champions have been crowned here in Big Orange Country for the first time. We'll talk about that. And, of course, there is a just made-for-TV movie of the week story in the National Hockey League that's that's come through over the weekend. So this is just big, big stuff happening all around. So of course, let's dive right into it. And again, I mentioned it off the top. We're talking about Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, the rematch of their epic fight from 2018. My goodness, this one was very different. The last one went the distance, ended in a draw with the Gypsy King Tyson Fury outboxing Deontay Wilder, Wilder getting the knockdowns. This time, though, Tyson Fury, also known as the Gypsy King, went out and fought against Deontay Wilder, went out and was the aggressor, knocked him down twice, once in the third round, once in the fifth round, and then Wilder's towel, uh, or corner, rather, throws in the towel in the seventh round to stop the fight, and uh, Tyson Fury wins by TKO. In front of a sold-out crowd of 15,816, this was back on Saturday night at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Fury retains, of course, the lineal heavyweight championship and also took Wilder's WBC belt with the win. There are too many belts in boxing. I've talked about this before. Way too many belts. You talk about wrestling having too many. Boxing, there's like five, at least depending on how you count it, five different boxing sanctioning bodies and they've got what 16 weight classes something it's too many but far too many to keep track of at this point uh but definitely this was the biggest heavyweight title bout since lennox lewis took out mike tyson uh back in 2002 it was interesting because Fury, who came in uh, at 273 pounds, which was the heaviest of his career, and he was uh, 16 and a half pounds heavier than his first fight, we were worried about what happened. But he said he wanted to pressure Wilder. He wanted to weigh more and lean on him, which again is a big strategy you can do in heavyweight fighting when you have that weight advantage like that. And he did. And he had a new trainer, Javon Sugar Hill, nephew of the late Hall of Fame uh, trainer Emmanuel Seward. This was just a great idea, and he did it. He got the knockdown in the third round, and it looked like, again, that punch hit right behind Wilder's ear, and it knocked out his equilibrium, I think, a lot. And he was just almost on roller skates, it seemed like, for the rest of the fight. The ear was bleeding, all this other stuff. But Tyson Fury, definitely the dominating fighter in that one. A well-earned win there. And, of course, Fury uh, landed more punches. He threw more punches. Uh, So it was just, again, a more dominating win by Tyson Fury, the Gypsy King, getting the win in that one. And we'll see where this all ends up. Of course, Deontay Wilder has confirmed that he wants a third fight. They both had immediate rematch clauses, so we'll see where that goes. Of course, it's weird because Deontay Wilder, of course, said he didn't want his corner to throw the towel in, but that's the corner's job. The corner is there because, yes, the fighter, for the most part, always wants to go out on their shield. 
and go out swinging. But the corner is there to protect him. I mean, you look at what happened at the Thrill in Manila. Uh, Joe Frazier's trainer was like, I'm not letting him come out for this 15th round. And then, of course, you had the famous Angelo Dundee saying when in uh, Ali's second-to-last fight, uh, you know, he's like, I'm stopping this. We, it, it can't happen. We don't want this to go on anymore. And you had it there. Of course, Deontay Wilder is also uh, kind of blamed his 40-pound costume that he wore to the ring, wore down his legs. Well, first of all, uh, you probably shouldn't do that. This isn't the WWE or AEW, and I love professional wrestling. Don't wear that stuff to the ring. Wear a cool jacket or something, but don't wear 40 pounds. It's going to wear your legs out if that's an excuse. Honestly, I don't think that's the full excuse. I think he just got outworked, and he wasn't ready for Tyson Fury to be the aggressor that he said he was. But I'm excited to see a third fight. think it'll be different than the other two. We'll see where we go. Honestly, if I'm wilder, though, sometimes that punch behind the ear, when it knocks your equilibrium, it takes some time to get that back. Honestly, I think Wilder needs another maybe tune-up fight before he goes right back to that immediate rematch. We'll see where it all goes, but it's always good to lead with some heavyweight boxing. I love seeing the heavyweights going at it. I still am personally an MMA guy, but you don't see great heavyweight fighting really. You get some of it in the UFC when Brock Lesnar and company were doing stuff. But to me, that's better for lower weight classes, to be perfectly honest, when you look at the way they can fight. But I love seeing heavyweights just swinging at each other in the boxing ring. So we'll see what happens, too. Of course, if you have the rematch, you'll have that. But again, Tyson Fury, I'd love to see him face Anthony Joshua and then pick up and for all the heavyweight title belts. Hold all of them and be the one champ. It's good to have heavyweight boxing back in more of a spotlight, especially after the Klitschko brothers had killed it for so long. I was glad to see some other people rising up through the ranks. Moving on, of course, to some stuff that more people were uh, focused on. Of course, we talked about all of the boxing going on. It was great to have it back in the mainstream conversation, but as we are almost to March, this is the last week of February, so March Madness just around the corner, which means, hey, it's time for some craziness to happen in the world of college basketball, and that is what happened over the weekend. You had some big, big upsets. Of course, the big matchup was Saturday. You had Kansas at Baylor, Baylor had already won in Lawrence, but Kansas returns the favors. The number three ranked Jayhawks at the time knocked off the top ranked Baylor Bears 64 to 61. Kansas now moving up to the number one ranking. They got 62 of 64 first place votes. Two people still voting Baylor the number one ranked team, which is, I don't know what they're thinking, uh, but. Kansas was able to get the win, so we'll see, of course, those two teams going forward into the Big 12 championship. We'll see what happens with it coming there. But then some of the other big upsets, San Diego State laying an egg, losing at UNLV 66-63. to San Diego State was the last undefeated team left in Division One, so they've dropped. And then you had Gonzaga losing big. The number two ranked uh, Gonzaga, my goodness, they dropped bad at BYU. Now, BYU is ranked 23rd. They moved up to 17 this week after that win, but Gonzaga, I had them as one of my teams that was a possible run to the Final Four. Still have good confidence in Gonzaga. Not as much as some people do. That was not a good loss. Again, the new top 25 came out. Kansas, your new number one. Baylor, 
at number two, Gonzaga falling down to number three. Now you've got the Dayton Flyers moving up above San Diego State, Florida State, uh, defending their number six ranking after beating Louisville on Monday night. You also had seventh ranked Maryland dropping uh, a game at Ohio State as well over the weekend. So a lot of upsets. It shows again that there's not really, to me, a dominating team in college basketball. So we'll have to see, which means it's going to be a crazy March Madness, especially for guys like me who love watching it. Regardless, I want some interesting matchups, but you don't have the big dog that people are trying to knock off like you have in some years. So we'll see where all this shakes out. Of course, my final four right now, if I had to pick, I've got Kansas, I've got Baylor, I've still got San Diego State. And I'm leaning now to switching to Florida State instead of Duke, but Kentucky is on the rise. They have looked really good these past couple of weeks, so we'll see where all of that shakes out as we get closer to the tournament, which, of course, I love. One of my favorite times of the year. Love me some March Madness, whether the Vols are in it or not. And speaking of the Vols, Pretty much now, they're going to have to win the SEC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament at this point, as Tennessee had a 17-point second-half lead at Auburn over the weekend and couldn't hold it, losing 73-66. to It really shows losing Lamonte Turner was just so big for this team because they just don't have that guy to close things out. It, It even showed earlier in the week when they played Vanderbilt. They had a 10-point lead with about a minute and a half and almost gagged that game away. And that was at home against a Vanderbilt team that's not great. And Tennessee was looking weak there. We'll see where it all shakes out. But again, you gag a 17-point lead, even though, yes, Bruce Pearl's team and their team that, of course, we saw it when he coached here. They are a pressure team. They can hit threes whenever they seem to feel like it, but they can pressure you so much into turnovers. And when you don't have someone like Lamonte Turner or, of course, Admiral Schofield and Bone and some of these guys that were there last year, who can be like, okay, we got this. Everybody calm down. I'll take care of it. We'll take care of the ball. They just can't do that right now, and that's their big detriment. Uh, So we'll see where this all goes. And, of course, it was overshadowed by an incident that happened that the CBS cameras picked up a Auburn student yelled out to Tennessee guard uh, Santiago Viscovi, uh, hey, uh, go back to Uruguay. This is America which got the student ejected from the arena. Uh, Looks like he's not going to be able to come back into any uh, Auburn basketball games for the foreseeable future. It looks like they handled it pretty well. Uh, Honestly, to me, again, stuff you just just don't say. it. There's no reason to be shouting stuff like that. And also, I'm 93% sure that that Auburn student probably doesn't know where Uruguay is anyway. So there you have it. That's my take on that. If you want to come at me on any of this, you disagree with it, come at me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley, or of course hit up the Modern Day Gladiators Facebook and Instagram pages. We can we can talk. I, I will just happily debate you on any of these and here present my uh, facts and opinions. And if you want to be a baby about it and complain, go right ahead. I am all willing to hear you. But the road is not good for the Vols getting back to the tournament. And they've got four tough games left. They've got at Arkansas on Wednesday, who they took care of handily a couple of weeks ago here in Thompson Bowling Arena. But 
It's up there in Fayetteville. Could be a whole different world. And then you've got Florida in Thompson Bowling Arena for the only matchup with the Gators this year. And then you're at Kentucky and then home for Auburn. So again, not a good back half of the schedule for the Vols. And even if they win all four of these games, I still think they need to win the SEC championship to get in to the big dance. Meanwhile, with the Lady Vols, again, another up and down week for them as the Lady Vols uh, lost at Arkansas, 83-75, to another ranked team out there, and of course a very deep SEC when it comes to women's basketball. And then they did defeat Vandy to get the season sweep, 67-63. to Lady Vols are wrapping up the regular season this Thursday against Ole Miss. They're projected, of course, into the tournament as about a 9 or 10 seed right now. Maybe they, after beating Ole Miss and maybe winning a couple games and picking up some stuff in the SEC tournament, they can improve those prospects. Still good to keep the Lady Vols in the NCAA tournament. Would like for them to maybe get back into the Sweet 16. We'll see where Kelly Harper can get these Lady Vols. So that's what you have here on this first half of this episode of Modern Day Gladiators. We're going to go fast and furious here. Uh, we've got a big episode of Shibbles and Bits coming up after the break, but tune in. Of course, we got to thank, before we go to break, though, we've got to thank Joe Shirt, and of course, we got to thank Otherworldly Coffee, our sponsors here at the Outlander Media Network. My goodness, Out- Otherworldly Coffee, they're just fantastic. It's liquid cocaine. All the other people at the network have been gulping it down. Uh, gets them ready to go for the crazy shows that we've got, like Haffle and DLC Respawn, Deadbeat Radio, and all the others that we've got. My goodness, uh, Scared Stupid, and of course here, Modern Day Gladiators and Geeks Inherited to the Earth, and many more coming through. Check them all out at uh, outlandermedia.net, so check all those great episodes out but again we got to thank otherworldly coffee it keeps us all energized and ready to go if you use the code outlander at checkout in all caps you got to shout it to them you're going to get 20 percent off your order so check them out and of course joe shirt at joeshirt.com we love them they have just been a just with us from almost the beginning which has been great for us here they've been doing business in knoxville for over 30 years this isn't some fly-by-night just t-shirt company that thinks they can do whatever they want when it comes to t-shirts and weird things no they know what they're doing and they can help expand your brand you got an idea for a product you want to make your softball team look good you want a good family reunion t-shirt put it on a shirt with joe shirt also hit up joe shirt deluxe they can make banners and mugs and anything else you've got an idea to slap a logo or a phrase on whatever i'm trying to get greetings and salutations put on a shirt we're going to get that coming out to the outlander media merch site here very soon so check them out again joe shirt at joe shirt dot com now we are going to take a break we've gone fast and furious i need to take a gulp of water but we're back with shibbles and bits and everything going on if with that and the world of professional wrestling again you're listening to modern day gladiators on the outlander media network Welcome back to the show, everybody. You hear the music, you know it's time for Shibbles and Bits, and of course I've got 
nice big stack of stuff here as we go through everything else going on in the world of sports. Of course, you have the NFL Draft Combine that's about to happen, which I don't care about. I really, really don't. Yes, I understand measurables and all that stuff is good, but and, and that's why so much of the top talent doesn't even participate in it. You don't need to. They have their own pro day, but then you also have all the film that you saw. Why do I need to see Joe Burrow throw against air when I've already seen him throw against some of the best defenses in college football? I don't need to see that. So there you go. And also, why do I care that he's got nine-inch hands? I don't care. Doesn't mean anything. Yes, it works great for guys like Shaquem Griffin and other people that are just going to blow up some of the other measurables and, and drills and everything you have at the combine, and that improves them. But for a lot of these people, it just doesn't. You've got an you've got eyeballs. You can see how good they were against actual talent. So whatever. That's my take on the combine. But let's move over to other stuff, preseason things. As now, of course, spring training has gone on, and you had the spring opener for baseball for a lot of teams. Uh, fans were heckling the Houston Astros for all the sign stealing and everything. Uh, some of them brought signs. One of them had Houston and then an asterisk with an apostrophe there, which I thought was very funny. Uh, I, It's a funny sign, but it looks like at these home Astros games, security, you're just going to take them away because apparently they've got really thin skin. Yeah, you're going to be able to do that at your home stadium, but on the road, you're going to face some vile stuff. You're going to have to get used to it, or the Astros being, if they're going to be this thin-skinned, it's going to be a long season for them. Uh, we'll see how it goes. The Astros' names, anybody associated with them were booed. Even the mascot, Orbit, was booed. Uh, and, of course, in this first uh, spring training game where the signs were confiscated, no um, players implicated in Major League Baseball's investigation were used. But then uh, just yesterday, Jose Altuve, he was up to bat. He got just booed vociferously, if I use that word correctly. I don't even know. But he was booed loudly, and then he did get hit, but it looks like that was more of just a brushback. It wasn't, in, I don't think it was intentional from what I saw. So, but we'll see. It's going to be a mess, really, uh, all season long for them. And they're just going to have to, they're going to have to deal with it. And they're going to have to put up with it because they know what they did. And we'll see once some actual games get started in the regular season where that all goes. Moving into some other baseball news. Of course, the Tennessee baseball team, uh, they had one of the best weekends they've ever had outside of a College World Series in the NCAA tournament. Tennessee completed a weekend sweep of uh, beating in in one poll, uh Texas Tech, who was number one ranked in one poll, then they beat a very good Houston team, and then they beat number 25 Stanford 7-2 on Sunday, three teams in a row at the Round Rock Classic. Tennessee just looked awesome all weekend long. It was great. Uh, they went undefeated, uh, and they outscored the three opponents 21-8, to and Tennessee also was doing really good uh, pinch-hitting Pete as they've called him, uh, Durke. He's now 9 for 17 with 7 RBIs in his UT career as a pinch hitter after a two-run single in the seventh inning. Uh, Tennessee has had just really good things, but 
what was also really interesting to see is that, yeah, Tennessee came into this uh, tournament unranked, and they're still not ranked. Baseball America's poll came out, and Florida's number one, but then you had Texas Tech, who in their poll was number four, lost to Tennessee, and yeah, they won the other two games, but then moved up to number two, and yet Tennessee's not ranked. you got some other teams who have not gotten off to a great start, and to me, it's like, what are you doing? What kind of BS is that when it comes to rankings, especially early in the season? You should reward Tennessee for going out and totally reeking of awesomeness when it comes to that. We'll see where it all goes. Uh, Hopefully Tennessee can keep this momentum going. They're playing Northern Kentucky, I think, over the weekend. So we'll see as we get into SEC play if Tennessee can keep this going because, of course, the SEC is one of the toughest conferences top to bottom in baseball. Meanwhile, the softball team for Tennessee has not gotten off to a good start. Injuries to the pitching staff has caused Tennessee to start the season 7-6, and six, so way off the pace that they normally have. If they get some of the pitching staff back and healthy, we'll see where Tennessee ends up again going in to SEC play. Also talking about the Vols real quick, Tennessee had a first happen over the weekend. The Tennessee Lady Vols swimming and diving team won its first SEC championship in program history over the weekend, holding off Florida in a tight down-to-the-wire finish at the uh, Auburn Aquatic Center. Tennessee finished the championship with 1,108 points, while Florida a second uh, with 1,000 uh, and 79 points and a half. The Lady Vols captured 11 medals, 8 gold, 2 silver, and 1 bronze, and it's their first ever conference championship. So congratulations to the Lady Vols there. Uh, that was just really awesome to see. And happy, hey, sometimes it's amazing to see a program with rich, even a swimming tradition as Tennessee has, that the Lady side had not won an SEC championship at that point. So Congratulations to them. Hopefully they can carry that into the NCAAs. Of course, you're competing with the likes, especially in the Big 12, in the, I'm sorry, not the Big 12, the Pac-12, who have been dominant in the pool for so very long. We'll see where it all ends up. Also, in the college ranks, a hats off to Oregon's Sabrina Ionescu. We've talked about her on this show before. She decided to come back to Oregon for another season. She could have been the first pick overall in the WNBA draft, and she decided to come back to Eugene. She's become the first college basketball player, men's or women's, to collect in her career 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 1,000 assists in her career. Also, last night in the game, uh, she also scored her 26th career triple-double. So, congratulations to her. She had a really big day. She was at the memorial service for Kobe Bryant, which by the way was a great memorial service for Kobe and Gianna and of course everybody else who passed away in that terrible helicopter crash. So it and she had spoke at the memorial, flew um, from Los Angeles to the Bay Area on a uh, on a on a charter jet there uh, where the Oregon Ducks, the number three ranked Ducks, defeated the number four ranked Stanford Cardinals 74 to 66. So, hey, what a day for her. And again, it's big, something that's never been done in college basketball. And Ionescu was able to get it done. She's going to make a lot of money playing basketball, both, of course, in the WNBA, which I'm sure she'll get a max contract there, but also, of course, playing overseas in Russia where you can make more money, which is a whole issue I don't have a whole lot of time to get into here 
on modern day gladiators. A couple of other light stories to get to here at the end of Shivels and Bits. Madison Bumgarner, many of you know him as one of the World Series winning pitchers for the San Francisco Giants. He's now with the Arizona Diamondbacks, but he has been competing in rodeo events under an alias, Mason Saunders. He even won $26,560 in a team roping competition back in December, according to a story published by The Athletic. Bumgarner told the website that he has discreetly competed in rodeos for a while, including March of last year, two days before he pitched for the Giants in a Cactus League spring training game. He's been roping since he was 15 to 16 years old. He's been doing it so long, it's just part of who you are. He was, the again, the 2014 World Series MVP and just agreed to an $85 million five-year contract with the Diamondbacks back in December, about two weeks after he won the rodeo competition in Arizona. We'll see what happens, of course, uh, when now this has come to light because Bumgarner did infa- infamously injure his shoulder back in 2017 in a dirt bike accident, missed three months of San Francisco's season, he calls, called that a stupid decision uh, that likely violated his contract, though the Giants are not believed to have pressed the issue with the four-time All-Star at the time. But we'll see now that this has come to light, and again, you're an adult, I think you should be able to do what you do, but these contracts are just weird when it comes to a lot of the clauses and things in there because, again, it looks like he's a very capable rider, but what if he falls off the horse and lands on that shoulder again? The Diamondbacks are paying you $85 million over the course of the next few seasons. That should take precedent over a roping competition in a rodeo where you're winning $26,000. So... Again, hey, everybody's allowed to have a great hobby. This podcast is a great hobby that I hope would be a job at some point that would be my total career. If all of you lovely people would hurry up and give me some great five-star reviews, that would help speed things along and help us at Outlander Media take over the world. So please, again, five-star reviews wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever. Please help us out taking over the world. Now, let's finish up Shibbles and Bits with one of the best stories you will hear all year, and it's only in February. Carolina Hurricanes. In the NHL, you have two goaltenders. You have your starter and your backup. That's what you're allowed to have, but there is a rule where you have someone in the arena is the emergency goaltender in the unlikely event that both goalies get injured. And that's what happened to the Carolina Hurricanes. They left Saturday's game versus the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, with injuries. So 42-year-old Dave Ayers, he was the emergency backup goaltender. He is a former Zamboni driver, and he's an arena maintenance worker for the Maple Leafs, which is the arena they were playing in, uh, the AHL affiliate, the Toronto Marlies. He has been the uh, regular practice goaltender for the Marlies, the minor league squad, and has appeared at Maple Leafs practices and skill sessions this season as the emergency goalie. He was available, though, for either team if needed. And he went in. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes had a 4-1 to one uh, they had a four to one lead when he came in. The first two shots, though, he faced got by him, and the Maple Leafs closed the gap from four to three. But then he calmed down. It was great. You look at the video and you see teammates talking to him and saying, "Hey, keep calm. We got this." The coach didn't look too confident in it at that point. I mean, you're with the emergency goaltender, so how much faith can you really get in all of that? 
But then what ended up happening was he stopped the next eight shots, including the last one. And it was great as the Carolina Panthers won the game uh, six to three, which was just an amazing thing to see. Uh, he was after he was named the number one star of the game in Hockey Night in in Canada that they've got there on their TV program. Uh, the crowd in Toronto gave him a loud ovation. He was wearing uh, Maple Leafs uh, pants, goalie pants. He had on the helmet of the. The AHL affiliate, the Toronto Marlies, was the helmet that he was wearing, but he was wearing, of course, the Carolina Hurricanes jersey. And again, how many times is that going to happen to somebody? It's, again, a straight made-for-TV movie. It's your CBS TV movie of the week, for those of you who remember those back in the day. Uh, Per NHL rules, he was paid the minimum uh, $500 for the game, but he was allowed to keep his game-worn jersey. And again, he got a, a, a beer shower when he walked in with the teammates there in the locker room after the game. And again, it's an amazing story. When you look at everything, because this guy, he thought his hockey career was over. Um, He had a kidney transplant in 2004. His mother, Mary, was his kidney donor, which is just an amazing story. Um, His last competitive action was an eight-game stint with the Norwood Vipers of the Allen Cup Hockey League. Um, And there he allowed 58 goals and at an 0-8 record. But he got mobbed by the teammates and everything. It was just awesome to see. Uh, We'll see where it goes from there. He's cashed in, though, on the 15 minutes of fame, which you should if you're him. Cash in on it immediately. Do as many commercials as you can. Do whatever you can. He did all the the talk show circuits and everything here in the U.S. over the past couple of days. Just an awesome, great story. I showed it to Mrs. Shibbles, my wife, and she was like, that's just awesome. And these are stories that can only happen like this in sports. And I love it. And it's great. It looks like the Carolina Panthers, I keep saying the Carolina Panthers, not the NFL team, the NHL team, the hockey team. The Hurricanes are going to, uh, they're selling his t-shirt uh, with his uh, the number and everything on there, and he wants uh, the proceeds to go to Kidney Foundation here in America, which is really awesome to see because, again, he thought his career was over, but found out he had one more thing in it, and what a great memory. That's, I mean, it's almost the same thing as the Texas A&M 12th Man Initiative where, you know, they pull the trainer out of the press box at the bowl game way back in the day. And, of course, it just seems like that anyone can get called into service with the Texas A&M thing. So the guy gets notified that, hey, suit up. They get the name right. They get it on the jersey. He comes out, and he wins the game. How amazing. It's the f- He's the oldest NHL player to get his first uh, win as a goalie. So that is just awesome to see. And I hope, again, just ride that 15 minutes of fame wave, buddy. Enjoy it, Mr. Ayers. And uh, my hat's off to you for getting to live a dream. And that's amazing. It's a great memory, and I hope he enjoys all of that. Speaking of big memories to happen, we've got history in the making coming up this weekend in the world of AEW. You've got AEW Revolution happening on Saturday, of course. Before that, you've got WWE with blood money in the bank. I don't know, three or four, whatever their blood money pay-per-view event is in Saudi Arabia that's happening. I think that's happening on Thursday. I don't care. If a title change happens, we'll talk about it on the next Modern Day Gladiators. But again, I'm not watching these Saudi Arabia events. Even if Goldberg's facing the Fiend for the title, 
it's 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 not worth it to me at all. But we've got AEW, who by the way has had some tremendous shows on Wednesday Night Dynamite the last couple of weeks. They've been great, fast-paced two-hour shows. They've been amazing. But they've got their next pay-per-view happening, sold out in Chicago on Saturday. AEW Revolution. You've got six matches announced. We'll see if more get announced over the week with the last Dynamite happening tomorrow as of this recording. But the card as we go right now, we've got Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara. Darby Allen, of course, taking revenge on Guevara, who um, had his skateboard slammed into his throat. Uh, it has been some really cryptic videos after that, but he came back to get revenge on Guevara and the rest of the inner circle last week. Uh, I've got Darby Allen getting the win over Sammy G in that. That one, you've got Dustin Rhodes taking on Jake Hager. This is going to be Jake Hager's debut in AEW, of course, formerly known as Jack Swagger in the WWE. Uh, Hager, of course, was part of the inner circle mugging of Dustin Rhodes and breaking his arm in the limousine months ago. So Dustin Rhodes wants revenge. I do have Jake Hager getting the win there. You got to be impressive in your debut in something like this if they want him to be a big heavy in the company. You do have the title matches all up for grabs. Nyla Rose, of course, who won the title a couple of weeks ago over Rio. She's taking on Chris Statlander, who I love. I think Statlander has a bright future. She's only been wrestling, I think, for three years. She reminds me of a female Stan Hansen, for those of you who remember Stan Hansen, especially back in Japan, just the way she moves about the ring and the power that she has. I do have Nyla Rose getting the win, though I don't think it's going to be a very clean win, but we'll see where it goes there. You've got the AEW tag team titles on the line. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega teaming up to take on, of course, their friends in the elite, the Young Bucks. Of course, Hangman Page has been on the outs, not wanting to really associate with the elite. He's been just kind of out of it, drinking a lot, storyline-wise, after losing to Chris Jericho and not winning the AEW Diamond Ring uh, versus MJF. So he hasn't been himself, really, but he's been teaming with Kenny Omega. That should just be a completely awesome tag team match. I do have the Young Bucks finally getting their titles. Uh, We'll see. It's been, I'm surprised it's gone this long with the Young Bucks not winning the championship. We'll see where that all shapes out, but I do have the Young Bucks getting the gold there. You've got, of course, the big grudge match, Cody Rhodes versus MJF. MJF, of course, betrayed Cody threw in the towel in Cody's title match against Chris Jericho and then kicked him rightly in the balls right after that, becoming the biggest heel in wrestling, pretty much. And then, of course, Cody said, I'll give you anything for a match with you at Revolution. MGF's like, okay, uh, you can't touch me until then. You got to take 10 lashings from me, which he did, uh, which was it made for great TV a couple of weeks ago. And then you've got to beat Wardlow, his bodyguard, in a cage match. He did, doing a moonsault off the cage, which was amazing. They've been booking this great. Cody has to go over here. I I can't see a reason why, unless you really want MJF to be over as a heel, but he's already so over as a heel. Cody's got to get the win here, and I've got Cody getting it over MJF. And then, of course, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship is on the line as Chris Jericho, Le Champion, taking on John Moxley. I do think it is time for a switch. I've got Moxley getting the championship here. Uh, someone rising up 
in the ranks, of course, both guys huge internationally, and of course, both former WWE champions, but I do have John Moxley getting the win in what should be another great match to close out the show, and of course, we'll recap all of that next week on Modern Day Gladiators, and of course, if I can, post updates to the Instagram and Facebook pages as well, so follow us there. I have been Michael Shibley. Hope you guys have had a wonderful week, and of course, another great sports week is on the way. You guys stay tuned for updates and everything. And again, please give us those five-star reviews wherever you listen to this podcast. If I made you think, made you laugh, whatever, please help us out. Get those five-star reviews so we can quickly take over the podcasting world. But until next week, too sweet. Love you. See you next time.